0: With the catastrophe in Afghanistan, I noticed Barack Obama seems as happy as ever. Unusually quiet, actually, about the issues overseas. He always loved talking about foreign countries and foreign affairs, far more than I think he liked talking about us, America, and our parochial interests. He hasn't said anything about Afghanistan. Isn't that amazing? He was president for eight years of this 20-year war, and it's coming to a horrible end under his chosen successor, I went to his Twitter page today, and not a word. He's talking about everything else, the Olympics, the Paralympics, the Haiti earthquake, Obamacare sign-up, gerrymandering, climate change, and a happy birthday to his mother-in-law, Mrs. Robinson. Uh, He really should be weighing in. Uh, A lot of this is on him, and actually, I do believe he's actually in charge. This wasn't exaggeration. This was him bragging. If I could make an arrangement where um, I had a stand-in, a a front man
1: or front woman, and and they had an earpiece in, and I was just in my basement in my sweats Mm -hmm. looking through the stuff, and then I could sort of deliver the lines, but somebody else was uh, doing all the talking and ceremony, I'd be fine with that
0: especially on a day like today where everything is going bad overseas, put Joe Biden out there to stutter and mumble and try to lie his way out of this situation. You know what some of my friends in the military are telling me? They view this as worse, more significant even than December 7th, 1941. Now, this we anticipated, you know, 20 years in the making. 1941, that was a sneak attack. The strategic ramifications though of our failure in afghanistan could be even more significant than what happened back in world war ii and back then we were poised to fight what are we poised to do now lick our wounds go home as losers this is bad bad stuff i do remember how it started though september 11th right on this island the war in afghanistan started in new york now we got a late start actually with the counterattack. We did, it was about a month later before we struck the Taliban inside Afghanistan. When we did though, it was a pure and righteous fight. Yesterday, U.S. forces struck in more than a dozen target areas that included terrorist camps and forces, Taliban military
2: facilities, including missile vehicle and armor maintenance. The second clip shows an armored vehicle in the open in the Kandahar barracks in southern Afghanistan, one of the training facilities and garrisons uh, for the Taliban forces. And the final clip shows a Taliban security post in southern Afghanistan.
0: We were targeting the Taliban, and now the Taliban targeting us and chasing us out. This feels very much like a loss. Now, I blame a lot of folks, Joe Biden, far left, not the troops, not the troops, those who enlisted, those who became commissioned officers, junior officers, mid-level officers, soldiers, Marines, not them, but their leaders, the generals. Classes, years of generals making fundamental mistakes and not being honest with us, not being direct with us, not being candid about what was actually happening there on the ground. For so many times, they went to Congress, they went on the news and they were spinning us, you can tell. They weren't leveling with us, and it started so early about Afghanistan, also Iraq, by the way, but especially Afghanistan. This is in 2003, 18 years ago, General Myers. I'm
2: equally positive about our progress in Afghanistan. Remnants of the Taliban have made desperate attempts to regain control over sections of the country, but continued
0: pressure from the coalition operations is thwarting their efforts spin 13 years ago general McKiernan. i think uh
2: that the development of the afghan army is on a very good path right now uh, it's more than just
0: developing uh infantry it's developing a full range of uh of enabling capabilities to go with their army it's bureaucratic speak they're not being direct and sometimes they just flat out bs'd us general caldwell 10 years ago
3: we've made tremendous tries. Incredible progress in the last 20 months, uh, as I've watched this mission uh, t- unfold, from when we first stood up
0: NATO, the NATO Training Command. Uh, we, you know, as you well know, we fielded over 100,000 new police and army uh, soldiers. They're probably the best trained, the best equipped, and the best led of any forces we've developed yet inside of Afghanistan. They were selling the same record year after year after year. General Allen, 2011.
2: So I would say that beyond the the clear tactical uh, gains that have been made, the the security gains that have been made, which in many respects have provided uh, opportunities for uh, growth of governance and economic opportunity, the solid partnership has been the thing that has been really striking for me all around the country.
0: That's not military talk. That's swamp talk. That's job protection talk. That's impressed. Congress talk. That's fool the public talk. Next, General Dunford, 2014. It's fair
2: to ask if we're winning in Afghanistan. I believe the answer is yes, and several facts allow me to say that with confidence. We have built Afghan security forces that, with increasingly reduced levels of support, are capable of providing security and
0: denying terrorists safe haven. Can you tell? Can you tell? You see the trend? Hey, we've had Four years, at least, of straight talk from President Trump. We know when we're being spun. Next, General Campbell, six years ago. But I think
2: we continue every day to to build upon their capacity, and we've seen some great, great uh, progress in some of the operations based, even at the tactical level, on the intelligence uh, structure, and not only in the hardware side, but also in the human capital side for intelligence.
0: Hardware, human capital, I mean, great. I know you've got your jargon. But why can't you be straight with us, huh? Uh, This is Mike Bloomberg's friend, Admiral Mike Mullen in 2008.
1: One final note on Afghanistan, what I
2: didn't expect, and that is the extent of the progress truly being made.
1: I visited with the soldiers in a remote outpost of the Korangal Valley, not far from where this recent attack occurred. They showed me the positive changes they have helped bring about, the villages they can now enter, The the Afghan police and forces, they are training and trying to improve. It's not perfect. Clearly, we have a long way to go, but we are making strides.
0: 13 years later, where are we? That is a sailor, Mike Mullen, and he was on the Sunday shows. Same guy. He's out of the Navy now. And in retrospect, in retrospect, what's it like now, Admiral, in retrospect?
1: The
2: capitulation of the Afghan forces obviously is getting great focus right now. In retrospect, you know, it didn't work because they stood down, and I think they actually stood down so that they individually could survive, given the Taliban were coming back in. I thought we could uh, build the army and give them a chance to uh, create structures which would uh, run a uh, country uh, in a much more uh, modern uh, fashion. That just is not
0: the case. Uh, Just not the case, just not the case. In retrospect, in retrospect. Somebody else used that phrase for the cover of his book, a guy named Robert McNamara, Defense Secretary during Vietnam, and he wrote a book in the mid-1990s called In Retrospect. In retrospect, we got it wrong. And we knew we got it wrong while we were fighting. We knew it all along. And I think these generals knew it all along. Obviously. Obviously. And how about this? How about this? Donald Trump said a five-year-old, a five-year-old would understand that it was a mistake to take the military out before the civilians. And that's true. And I remember in May, this report, look at how cleanly and neatly the military got itself out of Afghanistan,
3: where the heavy lift of dismantling 20 years of American military infrastructure is underway. It's now the main hub for shipping out everything from heavy machinery to packing up printer cartridges as America's longest war comes to an end and the remaining 2,500 troops get ready to come home. Now, that's the way you, you should withdraw Once you get everybody else out, look, it looks
0: like the airport, looks like Kennedy Airport, looks like actually Phoenix. But what they were leaving behind at the orders of the general was everything else, everything. Hmm? The generals, the president. Listen to this, though. As they're about to turn over, this is back in May, General Miller is in charge of the uh, forces there. Look what he says about Afghan military preparedness.
2: The Afghan
4: security forces are are prepared for it. The the Afghan security forces have to hold.
3: They have to be ready. That's correct. Will they be ready?
0: They they have to be ready. A little bit more straight talk, not total straight talk. They, you know, are they ready? They have to be ready. Are they ready? They have to be ready. Still playing that Washington game, but it's becoming a little bit clearer. (laughs) They're not ready. And if we back out, how could they be ready without us there? That's a big part of this that no one's talking about. If we get out totally, it really leaves them in a lurch. What happens next?
3: And yet Afghan troops have had to rely on U.S. military airstrikes to push back Taliban militants that launched a major offensive the moment the U.S. drawdown began. And the suicide car bomb in Kabul that killed dozens of girls on Saturday underscored the extreme violence that still endures here.
4: The violence, perhaps most concerning, is when you start seeing uh, violence that affects the civilians. Uh, certainly, a, a, a really an egregious attack against uh, schoolchildren this past week. That doesn't appear to have any military purpose. That's
3: terror. General Miller told us the next two weeks will be critical, Nora. We're just ahead of a three-day ceasefire to mark the Muslim period of Eid. He said the last time that happened, the Taliban came out fighting even harder.
0: And the afghan military needed us they needed our air support and we already knew we were leaving we knew we were leaving so that's in may what was general mark milley doing in june we freaking out about this stuff preparing for it worrying about it planning planning no
2: i want to understand white rage and i'm white and i want to understand it
0: he was playing washington political games well when you play those games You can play to win and you can play to lose. And general, you lost. And unfortunately, we all lost. And I knew you were a political animal and a bad one going back to last summer when you took this moment, which was perfectly fine, and made a federal case out of it in some sort of weird audition to the swamp to show how woke you are, to show how anti-Trump you are, whatever, you got political when you said you weren't. When you, when you apologize for being political, you got political. This is all political. Watch. As many of you saw the result of the photograph of me at Lafayette
4: Square last week, that sparked a national debate about the role of the military in
2: civil society. I should not have been there. Okay.
0: Totally political. Everything about this guy is political. Um, doesn't seem to care too much about his job. Now, look, when Joe made the decision in April to get out of Afghanistan... ...and not leave any forces. It was an emotional decision. I said last night, I think Bo Biden, his late son, had a lot to do with it. He wouldn't listen to people. He knew he had as much knowledge as anybody else in the room because he'd been around forever. And military, you can't tell me anything because my own son was in harm's way. But that doesn't leave the military leaders off the hook. Have you ever heard of a NEO? NEO. NEO stands for non-combatant Evacuation Operations. NEO it's kind of what the military does ready here we go a NEO is the ordered or mandatory or authorized or voluntary departure of civilian noncombatants and non-essential military personnel from danger in an overseas country to a designated safe haven this is kind of um, the basics of what the military does NEOs textbook operations have done them a million times it shouldn't be this hard it shouldn't be this hard. What were General Austin, the National Security Advisor Sullivan, and Mark Milley doing over the past couple of months, if not planning for a large-scale non-combatant evacuation operation? I have no idea, but I do know this. They no longer should be in those jobs. It's so obvious. They must leave now. We'll be right back.
3: the land of the free, honors the bravest of the brave, for their sacred pledge to protect
1: our freedom, our constitution, and our way of life, we will always remember you. We will always salute you.
0: say is is that that the the fake fake news news just just doesn't get it it, do they They some of them are still actually trying to let joe biden off the hook here look we all know any reasonable person any child can see what a catastrophe this is in afghanistan and joe biden is getting it wrong in big ways and small first he says uh, there is no al-Qaeda anymore in Afghanistan. Then he says, no problem. Anybody can get to the airport. What else? Oh, our allies are so impressed with the job that we're doing. He is making mistakes and or lying every step of the way. Yet there are quarters in the media saying that, uh, no, it's you pesky conservative media types who are overplaying this.
3: Um- way over the top and unconnected to a perspective on the issue from the beginning.
1: I agree, it's been over the top. I think that we also see why it was so hard for presidents in the past to pull out of Afghanistan. They were afraid of exactly this kind of press overreaction.
2: The news media's complete inability to process what's actually happening in that. The, the, the news media's feigned naivete about, oh, you know, we've got him in this huge contradiction with himself.
0: Like, just, you know, look, we we like to win wars, okay? Fair enough, fair enough. Vanity Fair says that the right trying to weaponize, we're weaponizing the issue to get ahead in 2022. Inside that story, let's read it, please. Some of the political attacks from the GOP have been dishonest, unfairly laying blame for the chaotic conclusion to the 20-year war on Biden, while ignoring the role his predecessors, including Republicans Trump and George W. Bush played in getting us there. Well, we talked about that certainly in the A Block, especially George W. Bush, but you can't put this on Donald Trump. This is Joe Biden's show, and we're seeing very vividly that he's not up to handling it. As I mentioned, the fundamental mistakes that he is making every step of the way, it doesn't surprise me, the man has been caught lying in public so many times throughout his career. When he first made it big on the national stage, 1987, when he was running for president, he lied incessantly and had to drop out of the campaign because of lying. And when he started his most recent campaign for president, uh, this time around, in 2019, his very announcement was all based on a lie. Charlottesville is
2: also home to a defining moment for this nation in the last few years. They
1: will not replace us.
2: It was there in August of 2017, we saw Klansmen and white supremacists and neo-Nazis come out in the open. That's when we heard the words of the President of the United States that stunned the world and shocked the conscience of this nation. He said there were, quote, some very fine people on both sides. Very fine people on both sides? But those words, the President of the United States assigned a moral equivalence between those spreading hate and those with the courage to stand against it. And in that moment, I knew the threat to this nation was unlike any I had ever seen in my lifetime.
0: Whoa, it gives you chills, doesn't it? Well, he was lying. He was lying about, uh, by the way, he touched on barely any issues. Take a look at what he touched on in this campaign announcement, which was based on a lie. Uh, Equality, Charlottesville, white supremacy, racism, and Trump. That's all I talked about. Now, about uh, good people on both sides, you know the truth about that, right? If you don't, here it is. You also had people that were very fine people on both sides. And you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally. And you had many people in that
2: group other than neo-Nazis and white nationalists, OK? And the
0: press has treated them absolutely unfairly. Uh, totally true. You can be a very fine person. And before the preservation of Civil War statues in the South, you can also be a very fine person and think that they're somehow offensive and then should be dismantled. But he expressly said that neo-Nazis and the white supremacists should be condemned. Joe Biden's entire campaign is based on a lie. Therefore, his entire presidency is based on a lie. After all, he was um, elected though, right? Um, Take a look at this. And I thought this is remarkable. So Joe Biden spoke about those four issues. This is what Donald Trump spoke about when he launched his campaign for the presidency. Substantive issue after substantive issue. And you can go through it. You may not like how he said what he said, but this was a campaign of substance based on the issues, and uh, Joe Biden can't make the same claim. All right, now this.
1: Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Black lives
0: matter. Black lives matter, not the way the Black Lives Matter movement says. They only care when a black life is taken by a white cop. No, black lives matter. All lives matter, including the life of 14-year-old Jesse Everett shot and killed after pulling into a gas station Saturday afternoon in Burlington County, New Jersey. Police say Everett arrived at the gas station in a car that had been reported stolen earlier in the day. Shortly after he pulled into the gas station, another car came in. Uh, A man exited the passenger side, approached the vehicle that Everett was on and shot him in the head. He was airlifted to a nearby hospital and pronounced dead dead. Two others inside the car with Everett were not harmed. No arrests have been made. The family has created a GoFundMe page to help during this uh, time of need. Uh, Jesse Everett, just 14 years old. We'll be right back. Have you checked out the
2: Newsmax Daily Podcast with me, Rob Carson? You get daily news, insightful commentary, and, believe it or not, comedy. Check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or at newsmaxtv.com/slash podcast.
1: Oh, Who's the you oh, you your house back? Yes. Take it! Take it.
0: So many lies about January 6th.
2: Here's a sample. Clearly, this was a yeah. deadly insurrection. The Worst attack on our democracy since the Civil War. Last
3: week's insurrection was shocking and tragic. A Capitol Hill police officer named Brian Sicknick was killed by the mob with a fire extinguisher. The U.S. Capitol suffered its worst security breach
2: since the War of 1812. We've seen an unprecedented insurrection in our Capitol and a brutal attack on our democracy on January the 6th. Officials say the men, one from Pennsylvania, the other from uh, West Virginia, worked together to spray Officer Brian Sicknick with a chemical. There is a presidential-inspired insurrection.
1: Plain and simple, an insurrection. Officer Brian Sicknick died after he was hit in the head with a fire extinguisher. Fatally wounding Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick, who was struck in the head by a fire extinguisher.
4: It was the worst attack on the Capitol since the War
1: of 1812.
0: All right. Every single one of those statements is uh, nonsense. Not true. Not true. They don't add up. Uh, There's direct evidence contradicting all of that stuff, but they keep saying it. And when they are proved wrong... They never acknowledge it. They just keep repeating it. And now we have a new, um, well, liar in the mix, I guess. Uh, I'm surprised. I think he got a very bad case of Trump derangement syndrome because at one point he was a normal person. His name is Michael Hayden, a former Air Force general who became director of the Central Intelligence Agency under George W. Bush. And now he's out there tweeting like a left wing lunatic. Take a look at some of them. And he's become a darling of the left. Uh, Let's see, retweeting somebody. Can we send the MAGA-wearing unvaxxed to Afghanistan? No use sending that plane back empty, question mark. The former CIA director retweets that with a a quote of his own. Good idea. The Central Intelligence Agency. And then uh, Donald Trump puts out a statement. uh, Some New York Times reporter tweets it, and then he retweets that. Really, he's a blank hole. It's as simple as that. And here's another one, he lies and he lies and he lies. So um, anyway, that's kind of uh, interesting that the Central Intelligence Agency, former, granted, is just jumping in and uh, pushing this propaganda. I guess he did that a little bit uh, when he was CIA director, but hopefully only with foreign countries. All right, meanwhile, as everybody gets worked up about Trump supporters and uh, the insurrection, (laughs) Antifa's running wild in Portland and other cities, but particularly Portland. Take a look at some of this stuff.
1: <laughs> All
0: right, this guy's offense is he's out in public uh, promoting Christianity. And what they say to him, get the F out, get the F out. That's what Antifa really, that's like their go-to line. Get the F out of here. That was terrible. And how about this? The, uh, the woman in the tan T-shirt there, she's a reporter, a photographer. And look at what they're doing to her. By the way, where are the cops? Now, I know the Portland cops have been getting it from all sides, but there are indications uh, from the chief that they're not going to bother with Antifa any longer. All right, take a look at this. All right. So... This stuff is still happening. This is happening right now in a major American city. Yet what are the major American media outlets fixated on? White supremacy, white nationalism. I hate that stuff. But it's, they're not doing this. Wherever they are, there are like four guys in the woods, and they're idiots. Antifa, the far left, this stuff is real, and it's happening, and they seem totally okay with it. Totally fine. What a weird bizarre moment in our country. Donald Trump wanted to use federal forces to strike back. So much of the swamp fought him every step of the way. It's a real shame. All right. Also this. In New York, we no longer have Governor Cuomo. He left office. But before he left office, he let a uh, cop killer out of jail. You're looking at pictures of David, David Gilbert uh, he's one of the six people granted clemency, 76 years old. He was the getaway driver for the infamous Brinks robbery in Nyack, New York, back in 1981. Gilbert was sentenced to 75 years to life for the botched robbery that resulted in the deaths of two cops and a Brinks security guard. Now, Gilbert's son is a guy named Chessa Bodine, and he's actually the San Francisco district attorney. And he's been lobbying to get his father released for several years. This guy's a bit of a radical himself. Um, And let's see, right now he's a subject of a recall effort in California. But, yeah, he's been making the case and making the rounds, and here he is on 60 Minutes a while back.
1: I learned from day one that our criminal justice system is not working. Mm -hmm. It is not keeping us safe. It is not investing in supporting victims of crime. It is not rehabilitating people, it's warehousing them. And in the process, it's bankrupting state and local governments, it's destroying communities and families, and it's contributing to an intergenerational cycle of incarceration. And this is the perspective you got from seeing it up close, firsthand. That's right. I saw every day the people whose families were incarcerated and the impact it had on them. I was tremendously privileged in many ways as as a white male, as someone who landed not in foster care, Uh, not being raised by a single grandmother, for example, but rather by
0: a stable family. All right, whatever. Um, The world is not safer. America is not safer, especially this city where I am, New York, Governor Cuomo State. Ever since uh, the nonsense of last year, Black Lives Matter and all that stuff, crime is now a real issue. This was the safest big city in America. No longer. We have huge problems, cities all across the country, and it's because of the nonsense that he's talking about and those so-called reforms. So antifa is raging all over the place. Killers are being let out of jail, but who are the people who are demonized the most and mocked the most? Us, Trump supporters. We are the enemy, they say, of, well, them, the powerful. I guess, I don't know. But they love to make fun of us, don't they? Oh well, the joke will be on them someday. I really do think so. I'll be right back. This is January 6th at the Capitol. The man on the right is Christopher Worrell. He was a protester and well, he got in trouble. He was arrested. Uh, he was arrested on March 12th. He has numerous charges, including assaulting, resisting, or impeding certain officers using a dangerous weapon. He has been in jail ever since March 12th, the day of his arrest in Florida. And he joins us on the phone right now. Christopher Worrell, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, you're on the phone in jail right at this moment? Yes, sir. Well, thanks for calling in. Uh, first off, how are you and how are the conditions?
1: Well, my condition is deteriorating uh, daily, uh, and I've been, you know, held without any medical treatment for over 166 days now. Uh, The D.C. jail general practitioners have told me my doctor is not qualified, uh, and he's been practicing treating cancer patients for over 26 years, but here I am with no
0: medicine on their end. So, and actually, forgive me, I don't, we haven't emphasized it, we haven't met, you have cancer right now, and you've been in jail for yes, five sir. months. I have
1: non-Hodgkin's lymphoma.
0: When were you diagnosed?
1: I've had cancer for almost 16 years, sir.
0: So, at this rate, you've been treating this cancer with the help of professional doctors for a long time. How do you feel? What do you think could happen? I mean, uh, do you feel like you're, you're slipping, your condition's deteriorating rapidly?
1: I'm afraid for my life, to be honest.
0: Your lawyers are... I've
1: maintained my cancer at a stage one situation for well over 10 years until this happened.
0: Do you have any... I'll talk about your health in a moment. Do you have any regrets uh, for anything you did or didn't do on January 6th?
1: The regrets I have is, I mean, none, nobody I knew talking to or before, during or after had any idea that anything like that was going to occur on that day. None of us had any tendencies for anything other than to preach our First Amendment rights in protest uh, of, of our tyrannical government, it seems like. You know, they're, they're just worried about their own political agenda.
0: Were you ever inside the Capitol building? No, sir. So I know you talked to your lawyer, and I, quite frankly, don't want to get you in more trouble. But what can you tell us about this charge of assaulting, resisting, or impeding certain officers using a dangerous weapon? Of course, we, we can't condone that. Uh, is there anything you want to say about that charge?
1: They're completely false and fabricated.
0: Completely false and fabricated. So we know that we've seen video of people who have not hurt anybody, who have not done anything uh, other than be at the Capitol, like Jacob Chansley with the horns. I mean, you're kind of a clown, but he didn't hurt anybody. He didn't break anything, and he's still in jail. We've seen no video evidence of you hurting anybody. Uh, what is your lawyer telling you about getting out somehow?
1: Oh, we're hoping that um, I have another court hearing coming up soon, and we're hoping the courts are going to see that, you know, they're just they're mistreating me. They promised me treatment uh, way back in April, and yet here I am still 166 days later with no treatment. So that's our plan and our hope that the courts have a little bit of compassion and let me go home to get some medical, urgent medical treatment that I need.
0: So I believe we have a partial statement from a prosecutor, one of the prosecutors involved, regarding your case. And we should put it up. I do not currently know with certainty the target at which Worrell was spraying. However, in other photographs and videos from the time of day, law enforcement officers are positioned where Worrell appears to be spraying pepper spray. That's interesting. An official uh, document from the investigator saying they don't know. They don't know what you did. And, of course, you say it's. Go ahead.
1: They don't know, but yet they're they're charging me with a crime that they have no evidence of. What happened to our U.S. Constitution?
0: Mr. Roral, I am deeply. What happened to. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Finish your thought, please.
1: What happened to my basic civil rights?
0: It's a great question. There are so many people who are still in jail and it doesn't seem right. Due process doesn't seem to be happening here. Listen, um, what do you want to say? What. As we wrap up, and I know you have limited time on the phone, what should people know that they don't know now about you and uh, anybody else or anything else?
1: Well, I've been denied bail, um, being alleged a white supremacist and too dangerous to be released to my home community. However, the government's hiding the fact that there's a black man that's resided with us the whole time in here, and it further depletes it the their deceptive narrative. There's no, there's not one person I've met in here, and there's over 30 of us, and we've been together and lived together for over six months, but yet we have no drama amongst our our fellow inmates, like the rest of the part of this jail where they're stabbing each other.
0: Mr. Rorale, it does not seem if right.
1: It's so dangerous. Why do we have no danger in this in our pod?
0: In your in your pod, is that what you said?
1: It's called, yeah, we're called, we're
0: in a jail pod. I want to put up a website if people want to find out more and possibly help uh, help you out, because this can be rather expensive. www.givesendgo.com G26PQ. And I'll try to put that on my social media and Newsmax's social media. Um... I wish. uh, Hang in there, sir. Uh, I'm sorry you're going through this. It doesn't seem fair. And uh, this is uh, not the way we should be treating Americans.
1: No, sir. We're being treated like political POWs in here.
0: Can I just ask you real quick at 637? What are you going to do tonight? What what's the schedule for the rest of the night? Where are you going to be? What does tonight look like?
1: Well, I have my wreck time tonight until 9:30. But everyone across America at 9 p.m. Eastern time, we sing the national anthem, and we want everyone across the world to stand with us and sing our national anthem.
0: 9 p.m. Eastern time. I will remember, Mr. Morel, every, every night, and I'm sure. This is not right, Mr. Orwell. We are thinking about you. We will continue to... Uh, we'll stay in touch. But very briefly, if you don't mind, your family. We saw some pictures of uh, your partner. Your, how is she? How is your family?
1: We're all distraught. I would the, imagine. The uh, immense amount of stress and anxiety put on us over this is... It's uncomparable to anything.
0: Something good can come from this, sir. I do believe... Um, I don't know if you're a man of faith, but this would be a great time to read the Bible. Um, and I just wish you the very, very best and hang in there. And uh, we, we hope that justice is done. And I have a feeling justice means getting you out of there as soon as possible.
1: Yes, sir. i remain strong because of God, my amazing wife, my son, my brothers in here, and all the great Americans out there supporting and fighting for us all.
0: Mr. Orell, please give my best to your... God bless
1: uh, everybody in this country.
0: Uh, God bless. And hang in there, sir. I think it's going to be all right. Uh, look, easy for me to say out here, but www.givesendgo.com slash G26PQ. More information there. And, uh... All right, Christopher, hang in there. Thank you very much for talking to us. I'm sure it was a pain to get on the phone and I hope they don't give you a hard no, time sir, about thank it. Thank
1: you for putting my story out there and all of our stories out there. We need all the support
0: we can get, every one of us. All right. Thank you, sir. Best to everybody else, and keep in touch. We'll be right back. Yep. Ashley Babbitt, the Trump supporter, shot and killed by police on January 6th. You know the cop who fired that bullet was just officially exonerated by the Capitol Hill police? Many of us are outraged and I know it's tough to watch this, uh, this clip, but it's important to, because we are not giving up. Uh, we want justice. Take a look. One bullet and, uh, Ashley Babbitt died, died. So the cop who did it, whose name we don't know is back on duty, um, No discipline, no vacation days docked, uh, nothing. Uh, This was a righteous shooting, according to the investigation. Of course, anybody with eyes knows that it's not. There's not one police department in the country. Um, My understanding, that would say that that was a good shooting. But I'd like to bring in Terry Roberts, now the attorney for the Babbitt family. Mr. Roberts, welcome back. How are you? Very, very good. Thank you. What is your response to the report from the Capitol Hill Police that no further action is required and this shooting was justified?
4: Well, I don't buy it either. And uh, look, it's time for the Capitol Police to show us their cards. Uh, You know, it's one thing to give us a conclusion that the shooting was lawful. It's another thing to explain it, to show us the facts. And I saw the press release. The press release is one generality after another. Um, They talk about how the shooting potentially saved the lives of congressmen. But when you look at the film, there's not a congressman in the speaker's lobby. Uh, The only people in the speaker's lobby are police officers who are ready and able to stop Ashley Babbitt if that's what they wanted to do. I mean, she's five foot and 115 pounds, and uh, the officer that shot her is a big fellow. He's got other officers there. It would have been a simple matter just to stop her. There was nobody's life in danger. at that.
0: Absolutely. And actually, from the report that they put out, and you're right, it's full of generalities. I'd like to put that page up, page one, if you don't mind, their conclusion. And uh, they say, if you don't mind, let's put that up on the screen. Um, defense of human life. Jump down about four lines. Reasonably believes the action is in the defense of human life. This is when an officer can fire, including the officer's own life or in the defense of any person in immediate danger of serious physical injury. All right. They determined it was lawful that, that because somebody was at risk. Now, let's go to that part that you just talked about. The hallway behind. Anybody can see that hallway is empty. I mean, there's nobody there. So- there's
4: a may I interrupt, Greg? There's a, there's a gentleman there crossing the lobby. That's a police officer. If you look above the gun, there's another officer standing in the next room, a uniformed officer. There's other officers down the hall. There's not one congressman in that lobby, right? So she's not an immediate threat to anybody. Uh, she's not a, an immediate threat to the officer. She's not brandishing any weapons, so uh, they can say that this is a lawful shooting, but the facts don't support it, and they—that's why there's. Here's what I call for: I call for them to release their investigation, the findings of their investigation. Let's examine it. Let's sit, let the world take a look at that and see if they can justify the shooting from the findings of the investigation. I mean, typically, when you have an important case like this, you're going to have detailed investigative findings that are going to point to whose life was threatened, how immediate the threat was.
0: Listen, um, um, sir, we're out of time, but very briefly, 10 seconds, if you don't mind. When are you filing the lawsuit? I've heard about it for a long time. When's that going to happen?
4: It can't happen until six months after April when I gave the notice. So it can't file before that time. So that's okay. going to
0: all right. Keep us posted. We have the website here: uh, www.givesendgo.com/slash, justice for Ashley. Terry Roberts, the Babbitt family attorney. Uh, stay in touch and thank you again. Thank you. All right. We'll be right back. Thank you and stay with us tomorrow. Okay. All the best.